Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Of all the sounds you'll hear this summer... This might be your new favorite. They're blending up the new chocolate chip iced cap at Tim Hortons. Real chocolate chips blended into an iced cap for a sweet summer treat. It's Tim Hortons frozen take on a cappuccino. And it just might be the best sound of summer. Hurry into Tim Hortons for the new chocolate chip iced cap. Limited time at participating restaurants. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Welcome, everyone, to the second part of our special two-part episode of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Zaporik, and we are finally going to have our long-awaited debate over all of the major awards this season, particularly MVP. Before we get underway, just wanted to remind you, you can follow us on Twitter, at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all three of our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can find us this year on iTunes, so we'd love it if you subscribe, downloaded, left some feedback. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Any reviews you could give? And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so give them a follow at FanRag Sports and at FanRag NBA on Twitter for all of their NBA content. We have, we're going to have a lot written as well as spoken on the MVP race over the coming days, as well as a bunch of great playoff previews, playoff coverage, etc., etc. So give FanRag Sports a follow on Twitter at FanRag Sports. All of that said. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. How's it going, you two? Going well, Brian. And just a minor note, we're always on iTunes, not just this year. That's true. We are, yes. And you <laughs> can find our iTunes link at the bottom of our little audio boom player. So if you want to follow us there, that's how you do it. All right, Sarah, are you ready to go toe-to-toe and defend Kawhi's honor? I'm ready. I'm a little hungry, so I apologize if I get hangry during any <laughs> debate. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Duly noted. Uh, all right. So let's dive right in. Uh, we're going to go... MVP is by far the most controversial um, because there are three, if not four, guys who are very deserving. And I want to preface this with two notes. One, we're recording this on Friday, April 7th, so there are still six days left in the regular season. There is still time for, you know, maybe 
one of these guys has like a 90-50-30 triple-double and seals the award that way. There's still time for us to change our picks, so we'll we'll give our final picks in our playoff preview next week. Two, I just want to preface the MVT debate because it may get a little heated, and I want to just say <laughs> we're not arguing that there is only one pick. We're going to argue in favor of the guy we think should win, but... All three, if not all four of the guys who are among the top contenders for this award are very deserving. There is no one right answer. So everyone on Twitter right now who is saying, <laughs> oh, Russell Westbrook is the MVP and there's no other debate, you're wrong. That is that is the stance. There are three or four very deserving candidates. With all of that said, Sarah and Mort, you both still have, you had your preseason pick was Kawhi. You both still have Kawhi atop your leaderboard with a week left in the regular season. Sarah, you're the Spurs fan here, so walk me through. Why is Kawhi Leonard the MVP this year? Well, <laughs> there's so many reasons that I don't really know where to start. <laughs> I'm going to try to try to get this in some kind of order. Um, so many things have, have been posted recently, so I'm going to try to condense it. Okay. Uh, Obviously, Kawhi is going to have the most wins out of your top four guys, whoever mm-hmm. they may be. <laughs> We're going with uh, Harden, Westbrook, and LeBron. Yes. Um, he has points per 100 possessions. He's at 38.9, which is second of those four guys only to Westbrook. His PER, 27.7, second of those guys only to Westbrook. True shooting percentage... He's at 61%, which is actually third of the four, but the one guy he's over is Westbrook. <laughs> so he's he's more shooting a better percentage, more efficient uh, than the only guy who has him on points per 100 possessions, and that's very close, by the way. Um, win shares per 48. You got Kawhi, it's number one out of the group at .267, and his on-court plus-minus is plus 9.1, and he was first of the four in that category as well. Uh, If you look at in the clutch, Kawhi is one of the top guys in the clutch. Um, He's got, and that's, if you look at the Spurs as well, they're just slightly above what Westbrook is is doing in OKC. Uh, They're third in the clutch at 29 and 12 in 41 games. the Thunder are 24 and 15 in 39 games, so they're tied with a bunch of teams for fifth. Um, Kawhi, too. If if I were going to look at like a, a specific time, I would look at there was a week in the beginning of March where he really it was a microcosm of what he has done all season. But there was like at least two overtime games. They had a game in New Orleans that they nearly choked away, threw away, lost, however you want to put it. And Kawhi made plays on both ends of the floor that completely turned the game. Um, He had two steals in the final few minutes. He had assists on the break that came out of those steals. He made shots. And then that that week kind of culminated in the Houston game that everybody saw. Mm -hmm. But he had been doing that all week, you know, and top 30 points each time. Um... So to me, like MVP is, you know, a guy who has the most different weapons or tools in the bag to beat you. Mm. 
and I see Kawhi as being that guy. I mean, the other guys are terrific offensively, and obviously LeBron can do what Kawhi has done defensively, but it's to the point where we, we say even, we make the distinction of, well, who can do that? Well, playoff LeBron can do it. Right. It's playoff right. LeBron because, uh, you know, he's earned his breaks too. Give, you know, no question about that. But the fact that Kawhi does it every single night, I think, is what sets him apart at this point. Um, he's just He just has all of the different ways to beat you. The way that he can control the game from one end to the other is really something. His offense used to be the thing where he couldn't quite measure up to the other guys, but he's catching up to, if not caught up to them. The, really, the only uh, categories where he's not close this year are raw assists and even rebounds this year. Um, but I, I'm going to have an article coming out soon, too, on B-Ball Breakdown of just looking at his growth as a playmaker. Nice. Um, he's not going to yeah, catch those guys, uh, certainly not this year, uh, in raw assists. And part of me, I, I, like, I would never question Pop, but part of me wishes that he was more in the situation that Harden is in, where they just mm-hmm. said, screw it, you're the ball handler. <laughs> you're bringing the ball up and run, <laughs> pick and roll 90% of the time. Yeah. And he has had a lot more possessions, but I would just like to see it be more even just so we can more fairly judge like you know because I think he could do what what, like Mort alluded to in our first part what Jimmy's done when he's had the chance to do that and Mm. closer to what Harden's doing even though um similar to Russ but not the same (laughs) uh Kawhi doesn't have the shooters around him that Harden has but uh I would just love to see it so we had a more even field to judge but even that being said, without all those opportunities, he's he's matching up quite well. Yeah, I, I mean, there's no denying advanced statistics paint him in a very strong light. And the playmaking is definitely the one knock mm-hmm. I'm seeing most cited against him when you're comparing him to Harden and Westbrook. But as you said, it's not a question of talent. It's just a question of opportunity versus those two where they're expected to be more like the, the central force on their offense. So, Mort, I'm going to let you piggyback off of Sarah to defend Kawhi as MVP. So Kawhi started out the season being Scottie Pippen. Mm-hmm. He sort of settled for the low 20s and the all-around play and the great defense. Then suddenly he woke up one morning and decided, you know what? It's time for a software update, and now <laughs> I'm kind of a little bit like Michael Jordan. Wow. <laughs> because he can't be like that over his last 36 games which includes his 11-pointer in 14 minutes in the Lakers' loss the other day. Mm. He is averaging 27.6 points at night in just 34 minutes. He's doing it on almost 50% from the field, 35 from three, 85 from the line, and he gets to the line eight times a game, six boards, four rebounds, two steals, just two turnovers. Kawhi is a very mistake-free player. He is one of the absolutely most polished players in the league. Like, where is his limitation? Like, think about it. With with Russell Westbrook, okay, he's he's actually become he's actually improved his three-point stroke a whole bunch. He's on pace to hit 200, 200 threes for the season. But outside of that, he's not like a necessarily strong shooter. Mm-hmm. Kawhi can shoot. He can get to the line. He can make it. LeBron is a poor free throw shooter, at least this year. I think he's 67%. Harden is not a strong defender. You can also argue that for Russ, who's just spent all of his energy doing offensive stuff. 
this year, Kawhi is all around you. Everywhere. And I've called him the best two-way player in the league for a while now, mm-hmm. and I'm sticking to that. And I think that helps out tremendously. Um, I really see no weakness with this guy, and given how the results, like Kawhi, when Kawhi plays, San Antonio is 57 and 14. Man. 57. Oh, sorry. I. Okay. That wasn't as bad. That wasn't as good as I actually just presented. We had the other way around. The fi- 54 and 17. But. <laughs> but. That's still amazing. 54 wins, 17 losses when he plays. That is dominant in his in his own right. And now look at the supporting cast. Uh, look, the Spurs are a great organization. The you know the sum of their parts are just yeah. But Lamarcus Aldridge has been sort of average, to be quite honest with you. Paul Gasol has become a shooter, but he's become even more of a defensive liability. He doesn't even rebound a whole bunch anymore. Danny Green has refound his stroke, but he's still sort of hot and cold. Mm. He's not really been all that consistent. Tony Parker, I mean, look, I heard a guy is about to dick his grave outside, so I mean, that's where we're at, basically. Cover your ears, Sarah. Yeah. I know, this is horrible. Patty Mills is not a playmaker. He's a fantastic shooter but he's not a playmaker so so the the vast majority of san antonio's roster has guys who are experts in one field and not really all-around guys they have one all-around guy in Kawhi, and somehow that still led them to the league's best defense i don't care what kind of crazy advanced metrics people are gonna throw against Kawhi, like in to to make others rise up this is otherworldly good Mm -hmm. and you can argue one thing Kawhi at no point during this season has chased around stats it all comes through the flow of the game and he's doing it by controlling the tempo as, an, as a non-ball handler, mind you, he's controlling the tempo of the game. He is in complete control of the game as the non-primary ball handler, which is utterly ridiculous. He is, as far as I'm concerned, the MVP. And, I mean, look, it's not like the other guys aren't, you know, deserving, as you alluded to in your opening, Brian. Right. They most certainly are, but not this year. It's Kawhi's. Can I, can I say, though, the one thing that I resent about this race, even though I love how we have these great candidates and it's been close, is that it puts me in the position, like, the new argument is of who has more help or less help or whatever. And so it puts me in the position of, like, feeling like I have to tear down Kawhi's teammates <laughs> and or the coaching staff. And, like, I won't do it. I'm not going to do it. I'll, I'll leave that to you, Mort. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I just... God, that's the one thing that I hated. This It kind of came out of right. nowhere, and I'll address it more um, in the article as well, because I don't know where it's come from. This is like a new way of looking at MVP that yeah. really hasn't been part of it before. Yeah. So, no, I mean, d- just to clarify, I'm not trying to crap on his teammates at right. all. No, like, I got you. One thing is Tony, who I, you know, I mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. But but that's, that's because he has become a liability on 
basically both ends of the court. That's <laughs> oh, kind of where I'm at. That's all. Oh, come on. He <laughs> has. <laughs> he has. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's more, my point is, none of those guys are all-around guys. So, mm-hmm. you know, he carries a lot of that responsibility. And when you have to sort of be the defensive anchor, when you have Tony Parker and Paul Gasol alongside you, both are horrific defenders, then having the league's best defense is remarkable. It's truly remarkable. Yeah, I feel like he often suffers from the prestige or the legacy of that silver and black, you know, and and having Coach Pop. And mm. yeah, you have to value what Pop brings to the table, obviously. But I mean, he he always will tell you that the players on the floor win the games, and there's no question that Kawhi is far and away the spearhead of that. He he was the lone All Star. As you mentioned, LaMarcus, for most of the year, was very inefficient again. He, mm-hmm. he just recently has started to come on a little stronger in the last month. And literally, before that, it, it was a rough year. So, yeah. I mean, he, Kawhi deserves more credit. I know that sounds crazy, but he deserves more credit than he's received for the year that they've had. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, think about... Here's what, I mean, one of the many things that's perplexing about this MVP race is how preseason expectations play into it, Mm -hmm. which is really what's been working a lot in James Harden's favor. But even for the Spurs, you know, like, they lost Tim Duncan. You expected them to take a step back, and now here we are on the final Friday of the regular season, and they have 60 wins. It's their first back-to-back 60-win season ever, right, Sarah? Yep. That's it's incredible to me with all the roster turnover that they had that <laughs> they were able to come back and do that. Yeah. Right. And you got to put a lot of that on Kawhi. Yeah. So like you know again I'm gonna just keep saying this throughout the entire time we talk about MVP. He is super deserving. In any other year, you know, you put this against like Derrick Rose's yeah. MVP year a couple years ago, <laughs> he blows Derrick Rose out of the water. Uh, oh, absolutely. That said, I'm gonna go in a different direction. Uh, you know, you guys both know I had James Harden as my preseason MVP. Uh, as of a month ago, I was still on that train. Seems like Tim Bontemps of the Washington Post uh, did a survey of a hundred NBA writers around the country, and he it seemed like James Harden. You know, it's there are definitely some split votes, uh, but it seemed like Harden had a comfortable lead. That said, I really think a lot of it is going to come down to how each player finishes the season. And that's mm-hmm. why I think Russell Westbrook is going to, if he doesn't win it, he's going to gain ground and it's going to be closer than it was three weeks ago. Because Kawhi, you know, the Spurs are now effectively locked into the number two seed. Kawhi is resting Friday. He sat out the second half of that Lakers game on Wednesday. Shout out to Coach Pop for that because he <laughs> made sure the Lakers won an anti-tanked. Uh, but, you know, you figure... He's probably not going to have too many more, like, complete eruption games. James Harden has been battling a wrist injury since mid-March. He's been slightly less effective, uh, it seems, especially shooting-wise. He had a couple really pretty mediocre games uh, during that stretch. So he's not going to be closing the season as strong as you would like. The Rockets are also locked into the number three seed if that wrist injury is still bothering him. You know, knock on wood, the Rockets are smart enough to rest him for a game or two and let that get better because it, you know, these games don't matter anymore for them. 
Russ, on the other hand, we mentioned this in the first half of this podcast, but you know, again, we're recording this on Friday, so he has not officially broken Oscar Robertson's record of 41 triple doubles. He has tied it. He's playing the Suns Friday night. He is almost certainly going to break it against the Suns. He's six assists away from averaging a triple double on the year. And I keep coming back to this, like, you know, you can you can come up with advanced metrics to support any one of these guys, right? Like, Sarah, you brought yeah. up a bunch with Kawhi. For Westbrook, you could say, look, he's leading the league in PER, leading the league in assist percentage, leading the league in usage rate, box plus minus, value over replacement player. James Harden's leading the league with assists. Like, all of them have their individual things that they're doing incredibly well. The thing I keep coming back to in this debate is, like, if I'm looking back in 10, 15, 20 years to this season, what am I going to remember first? And it's going to be Russell Westbrook breaking Oscar Robertson's record and averaging a triple-double on the year. And, you know, this is all a long way of going back to those, you know, the conversation about preseason expectations and with teammates. Early in the season, or heading into the season, no one foresaw this season for the Rockets, right? Like, we all thought, you know... Mike D'Antoni's coming in. They brought in Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson. They've retooled their roster a lot. They'll be intriguing, but they lost Dwight Howard. Like, what, you know, they'll be a middling, like, lower rung playoff team. So, yeah. based on exceeding expectations, Harden, you know, he gets the bump there. But I go back and think, like, without Russell Westbrook, what would this Thunder team be? You know, I feel like the preseason perspective was well yeah like Russell Westbrook has better teammates than James Harden does and now that narrative is kind of flipped because Eric Gordon's played so well and they acquired Lou Williams at the trade deadline and Clint Capella's played well in a bigger role and Ryan Anderson played well Patrick Beverly's still great like a lot of the Rockets Russell Harrell yeah right exactly and you know working at Harden's favor I feel like is the fact that he had to take on uh, such a different role. Like, he never played full-time point guard before, and he accepted that role, and it, he did really well in it. You know, he's leading the freaking league in assists. Like, it's unreal. But I, I just keep going back to, like, without Russell Westbrook powering this Thunder team. Like, he they played Memphis the other night, right? And they had 45 points, 10 assists, 9 rebounds in a game where they won by 3. Like, if Westbrook doesn't play that game, they get blown out by 30, right? So that's where I just, I, I keep going back to that thought. If we're, you know, more, you always bring this up when we talk about most valuable player, how there's no real one concrete definition. Yeah. And Rachel Nichols of ESPN has been rallying around that too. Like how there should be a separate award for most valuable player being the best player in the league, which I think, you know, there, Kawhi has a very legitimate argument for that. And then the player having the best season. And I think because what Westbrook is doing is going to be, you know, it is a historical season. For that reason, I am leaning him. And I also just think, you know, he's he's not going to stop at 42 if he gets that, right? Like, I, I'm i not worried about a slow close to the season for him. I feel like he's just going to go high octane the whole rest of the way. 
So, I, you know, it's feasible he ends the season with 45 triple-doubles. Like, think about five years ago. A triple-double was, like, such an accomplishment, you know? <laughs> and now it's just routine. Like, he had 12, 13, and 13 the other night, and that was a disappointment. It was like, oh, that's, that's it? Like, where, where were the other 20 points? It's, it's insane what he's done. So, I, I am, as of now, I am on the rust train, but... Uh, uh, you two both have hardened over Russ. I want to hear why. Well, before I go to that, I just want to bring up something in regards to Westbrook that I also appreciate a whole lot. Right now, he's nailed 192 triples. Mm-hmm. He's only broken 100 triple once, and that was last year. Mm-hmm. What's impressed me is his volume has increased. Like I have a number here. Last year... 23.6% of his attempts with threes. Okay. This year, it's almost 30. So his volume has increased a lot. And normal logic dictates that your efficiency will, will drop. Mm-hmm. Instead, his has risen about 5 percentage points. Yeah. That's truly amazing. Like He has become like a 30, almost 35% shooter on higher volume. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, and he's gonna end up the season having. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Like a total of over twenty five hundred points, eight hundred rebounds, and eight hundred assists for a six three point guard. <laughs> That's yeah. I mean, so and now to answer your question, wins. Yeah. Yep. That's that's honestly the only reason I have James Harden over Russell Westbrook, and also because I I don't know if. We should justify Russell Westbrook's award with the fact that it's associated with a triple-double, which, don't get me wrong, Mm -hmm. I mean, for the Thunder specifically, it's been essential, but on the surface, a triple-double is meaningless. Right. And that's kind of my problem. People are saying, well, he should win the MVP because of the triple-doubles. No. No, stop that. That's not the point. If he should win the MVP, it should be because he's like the major difference maker, which you alluded to, Brian. Yeah. And the fact that he closes games and he does all of these things and he's just the mag daddy of the NBA. It And in, instead, the narrative has been about, oh my God, the triple-double. All right. Screw the triple-double. That's not important. Yeah. Like, James Harden is right there in terms of the stats, almost at least, yeah. if you combine it. Like, right. He's, what, 1.9 rebounds away from averaging a triple-double himself. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. so so if if that's the narrative that we're going to push, I mean, then I don't think it's a valid one. Like, if you're going to choose Russell, and again, your words, Brian, all of these guys are <laughs> worthy. Right, right. Then it should be on more than just a triple-double ID idea. You know, it should be on the merits of what you bring to the table, with you know using the eye test looking at the results screw the triple doubles yeah and on that wins note especially i'm glad you brought that up it's only happened twice in the last 30 years where a guy won mvp and was not on a team that finished in the top two of his conference it was michael jordan yeah. once i think in 1988 and i want to say it was carl malone in 99 somewhere around there so by that logic you know, Harden, he's going to be third in the West, and Kawhi's going to be second. Russ, barring a catastrophic collapse from the Clippers, is going to be sixth. So he is, you know, we are asking something unprecedented, at least in the last 30 years, for him to win MVP. 
that said, what he's doing this season is also unprecedented. Okay. Uh, and on your note about his three-point shooting, his 34.7% is a career high for him, which is crazy. It is. On 7.1 attempts. Yeah. So, and just to round out Westbrook a little bit, Sarah, I have a question for you. Okay. Have you noticed how fans are all about, you know, when they're downplaying Russ, they're talking about his turnovers? Mm-hmm. His 5.4 turnovers? <laughs> Guess what? His turnover rate is lower than that of LeBron James. Mm. Wow. He's and I'm not talking about the raw set, like his turnover percentage. Yeah. Right, right. So the percentage of plays that he turns the ball over is less than LeBron James. Yet no one talks about King James turnovers. Mm-hmm. It's all about, hey, when all those raw turnovers, I have a major problem with that. Look at the usage rate Westbrook yeah. goes yeah. through. I mean, you have to, you know, draw a comparison to usage rate and percentages, in, especially in turnover percentages. And he's actually improved his ball handling by almost a percentage. Last year, he turned the ball over almost 17% of the time. This year, it's 16 mm. I mean, that's ridiculous. Also, Harden is averaging more turnovers. He's averaging 5.8. So you can't right. you can't use turnovers. That I mean, that's mm-hmm. the thing that works in Kawhi's favor. You know, he's very careful with the ball. If Harden or Westbrook win, they would have the most total turnovers of any player in NBA history. I think Magic Johnson is around four point three. Was the the top MVP or the, the had the most turnovers of any MVP before this season? But that said, you know, again, you probably haven't had a guy with. Definitely not with the Westbrook usage rate, and even with the Harden usage rate. So, right. so right. Sarah, why do you have Harden over Russ right now? For me, it's honestly it feels like splitting hairs yeah. a little bit because they are so close. I, I same as Mort, I would say wins. It's really the only difference. But there again, you know, you could make the argument that Russ has done more with less or from that team um, was expected to do less so the fact that it they're going to maybe probably be six in the west is still a great accomplishment um, <laughs> personally not that I'm anybody to judge by but I didn't have the Rockets or the Thunder in the playoffs in preseason so you know that, that gives Harden the slight edge for me but They've both been ridiculously impressive. Yeah, I would never argue that either of them don't deserve it. Um, the the part that I've talked about before that where I think the goalposts get moved a little bit for Kawhi is that we have to argue, you know, that like nobody else has it ever been where you say, well, his coach is too good. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, right. like <laughs> did did anyone ever hold Phil Jackson against Jordan or Kobe or Shaq or? Yeah. You know, it's it's that's strange to me. I don't like that aspect of the whole argument, but I I would never say that those other two guys aren't very deserving. Yeah. Okay. Any final thoughts? We all have LeBron fourth on our MVP ballots, I assume, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, any final thoughts on this race, or should we turn our attention to Defensive Player of the Year? This race has been so much fun 
like I know that some of these arguments have been drawn out to the most ridiculous <laughs> extremes, especially on Twitter, and right. a lot of people's mm. emotions have gotten caught up in it. Yeah. But it's been so fun having a debate where we legitimately do not know who's going to end up with the award. Like every year, as far as back as I can remember, it's almost been sort of telegraphed. Like, mm-hmm. who's going to win it? I, re- I remember all the way back to when KG won it in Minnesota. It was like, oh, it's the all-star break. We all know Kevin's going to win the MVP for like four, four or five months from now. Like, <laughs> right. It was so obvious. having and, and not just having a two-man race. We are having a freaking three-to-four-man race. That's fun. That's why we love this game, to mm-hmm. dust off an oldie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I, and I had LeBron... Too, I would have had him. I would have argued more in his favor uh, before they slipped so much in the last month. Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah, he was right there with the other three. Um, my only last final <laughs> final parting shot would be that uh, to draw attention to the fact that Kawhi has 26 30 point games this year, which is the most in a season by any Spur under Pop. So. He's making history in the same way. Yeah. That's to me. That's almost as impressive as the triple double. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's just not how how Pop has even played with with prime Timmy. So right. that's yeah. pretty impressive to me. Or David Robinson too before Timmy. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So we're not gonna. Unfortunately, we're not gonna find out who wins MVP for another two months. I think the NBA is gonna announce it. I want to say June twenty sixth, which is after the playoffs, after the draft, all that good stuff. So it looks Wait, like after the draft, yeah, really, yeah, the draft. Wow, I know it's a change. So you know, a lot of people are bemoaning that change because we're not going to know who wins MVP for the playoffs, and it's looking like we're going to get Thunder Rockets in the first round. So if like, you know, if Harden wins, would we get like super angry Russ, or if if Russ oh. wins, would we get angry Harden? Yeah, but. Yeah. Even under the old system, they didn't announce MVP until the second round. Remember, because like we had the right the two thousand of the second round. Yeah, we had like the Dirk where the We Believe oh, Warriors. Seven. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. fun. <laughs> <laughs> right. So no matter what happens, like we could have had a similar situation here where you know Russ wins it, but then the Rockets knock him out in the first round. So just look at that yeah. smirk on our our on our Spurs fan yeah. here yeah. when she mentioned the Dirk, Dirk. thing yeah. like Sarah she's just laughing your ass up right now yeah. because ha ah, Dirk got bounced in the first round ha ah, yeah, San Antonio represent fun, y'all <laughs> <laughs> no everyone had crowned them that whole year so yeah, yeah. that was a fun year for me <laughs> <laughs> well at least you're not hiding it I can yeah. appreciate no, that no I can't Right. By the way, one final note though. Yes. I just I I have to because that was one of the things I forgot to talk about. So when you assume or you have to assume when averaging a triple double, right, that you would be playing like forty goddamn minutes a night. Sure. Yeah. Russ is playing less than thirty five. Unreal. It's crazy. I mean come on, <laughs> Absolutely man. Absolutely crazy. Come on, man. If if Russ doesn't get real MVP, he deserves fantasy basketball MVP because I'm going against him in the championship round right now, and it's just like, no matter how big of a lead I build in points, rebounds, <laughs> assists, steals, three pointers, it's just like any time he plays, that it gets wiped out immediately. It's so frustrating. And I he should get like a one time award created by the NBA that's just called Stats King. Yeah, like <laughs> what in the world are you doing? Start Russell Westbrook. <laughs> <laughs> How is this possible? Can you just imagine, like Adam Silver, like just like, and presenting the what 
on earth are you doing a war? Meet our representative from Kia. Right. All right. Let's move on to the defensive player of the year, which is the other place where the three of us disagree the most. So, Mort, I'm going to throw this your way first. You have Mr. Big Bree himself, Rudy Gobert, as your DPOY. Tell us why you do. Well, outside of being fantastic, (laughs) um, here's the thing. When someone is shooting the ball within six feet of him, that person's shooting average goes down by 13.7%. Now, let's expand that to 10 feet. That person's average goes down 11.2%. Fair enough. When it goes out to greater than 15 feet, it's only 1.8% down, but that's still pretty good. He even defends three-pointers well. He takes almost 5% off that average. So he is like continuously bringing the percentage down of whatever shot he defends. He's 7-2. He's athletic, athletic, agile. He's got arms that could probably reach to France if he wanted to. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just the fact that the fear factor as well has just come such a long way. Mm-hmm. Like his 2.7 blocks a game doesn't even do him justice simply because guys aren't really daring to go at him as, as much. Right. If they did, he would have Dikempe Mutombo SWAT numbers. He really would. He is an uncanny shot blocker, both on his man and on the weak side. And it seems like that psychological effect that he has on guys is really, really benefiting the Jazz to a perverse degree almost. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's also yeah, pulling down 13 rebounds... He, that's, I mean, that's an argument. I always think of basketball as being three things. It's offense, it's defense, and it's rebounding. Because I feel rebounding, it's sort of like a dead area. It's, it's a dead ball that you have to go get. Mm-hmm. Like, it's no possessions land. But I can also appreciate that boxing out and grabbing defensive rebound kind of completes a defensive possession. And given that he grabs almost nine defensive rebounds per game... I would say that is definitely, you know, <laughs> accepted. Yeah. Uh, he's not a big steals guy, but, like, he's 7'2". I mean, he's <laughs> not, like, a small forward or a point guard, right. so I'm not going to, I'm not going <laughs> to, you know, trash him for not being Ben Wallace. Right. I mean, <laughs> that would be unfair. It just seems like whenever someone is entering the paint, they're looking, like, a little bit over their shoulder for uh, some sort of shooter. Like, can I pass it out? <laughs> right. Not, I, I don't want to take that extra dribble. Like, where's my guy? Can I get a little bit? And so many floaters, you know, floating attempts. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's Gobert. I'm not going to go up with, like, a hard line layup. I'm going to have to put up a floater. And it's not probably not going to be a good one because his reach is going to go all the way over the basket anyway. Right. So, yeah, it's it's just the fact that he does all these things that's, is just so super impressive to me. And don't get me wrong, Draymond Green is high on the list, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of dicking this old school throwback center season that he has going on right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should note before we move on that, but all three of us have Draymond and Gobert in some order as one and two. We have we all three have Kawhi at three, and then we all three don't care about the rest because this is a three man <laughs> race. That said, Sarah, you and I have Draymond at number one 
and Gobert at number two. So why do you have Draymond ahead of Gobert? Well, if Tim Duncan never won Defensive Player of the Year, then Gobert can't win. (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, There again, I think he's really deserving, but I think it's just Draymond's time, if that makes sense. (laughs) I think, you know, he was right there the last two years, so I think he gets the edge over Gobert, who's kind of just emerging as this ridiculous rim protector. Um I've seen a stat passed around, and I, I've lost track of it, but someone posted about uh, the fact that Draymond is, is also protecting the rim at, at an elite level. He's right up there with Gobert, but he's also contesting threes at a ridiculous level, which is something that you just don't see. Um, and, and I hate defensive stats, though, because there's always a little bit of noise. I mean, some of the problems, honestly, with Kawhi is... is how rarely people mm-hmm. test him. You know, people don't go at him, so those stats don't really work for him. Um, so there's always that kind of thing that that gets in the way. But Draymond, just what he's been able to do, we always talk about his versatility. Uh, then the fact that KD, who kind of became the new centerpiece, a really important part of their defense, went down for so much of the year, and they somehow <laughs> were able to almost even be better. Like, the defense that they played in the game against the Spurs that I got to see up close was ridiculous. You know, they came back. Obviously, they they shot well to come back from whatever, 20 down, 22 down, (laughs) whatever the hell it was. Um, Yeah, that was really frustrating not to get back into that. But to watch, because their their shooting percentage, they started off at 0% for, like, most of the first quarter. And then it was, like, 20, 30. And they ended up, I think, over 50% for the game. So. The idea of what they had to shoot for, like, the last two minutes of the first quarter and the rest of the game, the percentage had to be astronomical. But anyway, their defense is, is right there as it's the top one in the league. I think it's been jockeying with the Spurs. Yes. They've been, like, a tenth of a percentage point Spurs are within three each other all year. tenths of a percentage, or three-tenths of a okay. point ahead right now, but they're number two, uh, so, yeah. 1.2 ahead of the Jazz. And that wasn't supposed to be the case because they traded you know, their rim protector away, but Draymond's making it happen even when KD went down, so to me, it's just uh, the narrative of, you know, he's been doing it for a long time, he's deserved recognition, and I think he's finally going to get it this year. Yeah, I, I, versatility is the the selling point for me as well, and that's nothing against Gobert, because you just can't expect a seven-foot-two guy to do that, Uh, Mm. but, you know, as you mentioned, Sarah, he's, you know, he's protecting the rim well, you said, you know, you said it well. There's a lot of noise in defensive stats, so it's hard to put too much into this. But that said, within six feet of the basket, opponents are shooting 13 percentage points worse than they usually do when Draymond is guarding them. He, they're shooting 5.4 percentage points worse on threes, 4.0 percentage points worse from 15 feet or further from the basket. So you know, Gobert has those splits where it's really elite near the rim, but then it gets a little dicier with it like, further than 15 feet because, frankly, you don't want him to be venturing that far out of the... You know, you want him near the rim. You want him to block shots. You want him to get rebounds, but Draymond is doing all of that and more, and, you know, we've we've said it for three years now. Because Draymond could do... He could guard one through five, that allows the Warriors to play the style that they do, and that unlocks this, like, death lineup this unlocks the monster warriors that we've grown to know and fear over the last couple of years so 
for that reason, I'm going Draymond. But that said, you know, it, it feels like MVP again, right? Like, I, if mm-hmm. Rudy Gobert wins, I'm not going to be upset. Like, he's very deserving as well. It's pretty close. It really just comes down to a matter of preference. Uh, more any rebuttals? No, I mean, I get the reasoning. I mean, look, Draymond Green as well, he's increased his steal percentage by 50% mm. from last season to this season. That's amazing. That's a ridiculously <laughs> high number, leading the league in steals as well. And, and the fact that he so easily can switch onto quicker guards and is just that versatile all the time, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's a huge benefit. You, you can't go wrong with either. I just, I I like the tough physical presence of Gobert the most, simply because it's kind of old school and it works, and I could also see it being a huge factor in the playoffs, like, surprisingly so. Yeah. Um, and, and then I guess it's also just the fact that it's... It's a different name to throw in there as well, who has exceeded expectation. It seemed like it was Draymond and Kawhi. Right. Kawhi mm-hmm. and Draymond. It was although always those two. And, you know, Gobert has entered that little private twosome and said, you know what, I'm here too. And giving him legitimate love for the DPOY is also a means to say, you know what, he deserves to be like the third wheel in this. Yeah. He should be in this debate year in and year out because he's that good. Yeah. Yeah. That's I frankly I feel like all three of those guys, Draymond, Gobert and Kawhi, are going nowhere in this race and we will be having this discussion many times over in the coming years. Um mm-hmm. all right, let's move on to Rookie of the Year, which Took on a weird turn once Joel Embiid went down. You know, for the first half of the year, he was clearly the consensus pick. There was no obvious other front runner. Uh, probably Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, once Embiid went down for the year, it became you know, is it can Embiid win having only played thirty one games? Dario Saric came on late in the year. Brogdon also played well. So Mort, I'm going to throw this one to you again because you still have my boy JoJo. As your rookie of the year, Do you th- <laughs> is it just that his production was so much more impressive than the other guys, even yep. though they've played longer? Yep. I don't care. He's the <laughs> best rookie. Yeah. Like let's let's be real about this. I know it's just thirty-one games, and I know people are like, "Oh, you can't base anything on thirty-one games." Okay, here's my logic. If he had played eighty-two games as opposed to thirty-one games, <clears throat> pardon. Would he have looked worse than Sarage or Malcolm Brockton? Hell no. Right. Like, that's... No. Not even close. He would have continued at a certain level of production that would have been significantly higher than that of his competition. Mm-hmm. Because of that, it's Joel freaking Embiid. I mean, here's all you need to say to make his case. So, Adam from all of Bleacher Report has the site NBA Math where he's got a bunch of uh, advanced statistics of his own creation. And he tweeted this yesterday. Uh, The Sixers play like a 49.9 win team with Joel Embiid and a 27.7 win team without Mm -hmm. him. So that is a 22.2 win swing. That is more than Harden, Westbrook, Kawhi, I think LeBron's actually a little has even more of a swing, which is already insane. But like, uh, he turns the Sixers from a lottery team to a would-be playoff contender. So, 
you know, for that reason, yeah. I think it's fair. The, the question is just, you know, historical precedent prior to this year, no guy had ever won it without playing at least 50 games. So, and no one had averaged a triple-double in 50 years or more than 50 years, so I don't give a damn about history right now. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, all right, Sarah, you and I both have Dario uh, right ahead of Brogdon. So why, why are you going with the homie Dario, Sarah? This one was one of the toughest ones for me, um, between this and six-man, just because they both, to me, felt like two-man races, and it was really hard to to pick one or the other. Um, I partially feel like I'm, I'm being, uh, led by the fact that I had Sarich in my preseason pick, so <laughs> <laughs> that, that's part of it. Uh, that, that could be the one thing that I might end up right on. Um, but he's just, he's just been slightly more productive, really. I mean, he's at like 13 points per game, six rebounds, couple assists. Both guys are shooting low 40s percentage-wise. Um, I just I really liked Brogdon all year, too. I'm just glad that they'll be, like, rookie teams so they yeah. can all get recognition. That's true. Um, but, he, yeah, he, I mean, he came out, and I expected Sarge to be good, obviously, but the fact that I picked him uh, to be rookie of the year, um, which, of course, we, we're not even having this conversation if Joel Embiid gets to play more games. Right. <laughs> but, uh but I knew what I was getting from him. Brogdon came out of nowhere, you know, he wasn't overseas playing, and and really was important for his team, which is now a playoff team, uh, dealing with injuries, you know. He, I just I just want to give the guy credit, but Sarge is just he just has the slight edge for me in production. Yeah, that's, that's all. That's where I am too. You know, it's the. In early March, when Sarich like had started to really come on, and Sixers fans started to realize, like, oh, he, you know, he might still rookie of the year from Joel Embiid, if not from Malcolm Brogdon. <laughs> All these Bucks fans and Sixers fans start getting fights on Twitter, like, yeah, well, the advanced statistics <laughs> are in favor of Brogdon, and then we're like, well, yeah, but Sarich has thirty points in his last fifteen games. What are you talking about? I mean, the fact that it, it's tough. Because, you know, Brogdon was more productive for longer, whereas Saric mm-hmm. really came on hot after the All-Star break, and he benefited from Ersan Ilyasova being traded, Nerlens Noel being traded, Joel Abid being out for the year, Julia Okafor being in and out of the lineup the last couple months, even, you know, when Covington went down the other week. So injuries have fueled a lot of his statistical support in the last yeah. couple weeks. That said, I mean, he... He's just proving, you know, it's like it's kind of unfair to Malcolm Brogdon to hold this against him that he's playing with Giannis, but like he doesn't need to be that number one option. Saric yeah. had to do that for a month and he proved that he could to the point now where it's like, you know, the question going into the year was how does Saric fit with Noel, Okafor, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid? Heading into 2017 18, it's like how does Ben Simmons fit with Saric? Like he's played so well that you can't. You have to factor Saric in as like a part of the Sixers' future, unless they trade him, and you know maybe they trade him for Aaron Gordon, as we mentioned on last episode. <laughs> so for that reason, I'm going Saric just because he's shown the ability to have you know to be that number one option. But more, I'm you know I, I like your argument for Embiid too. I mean, there is no question. Well, obviously, you do. Yeah, there is no question. <laughs> 
that Joel Embiid was the most dominant rookie this year. It's just 31 games of him versus 70-plus from Bogdan and Saric. And we should mention, you know, I brought this up on the last episode too, Saric is on a 24-minute limit for the rest of the year. He's got plantar fasciitis. Malcolm Brogdon's been out for about a week or so with the with back issues, so both are kind of sputtering at the end. But I think, but frankly, just because Saric is playing, he's going to squeak Brogdon out, assuming he and Embiid don't split each other's votes. <laughs> I just I'd I agree, have a hard though. time. Sorry, huh? go ahead. No, I, yeah, <laughs> I was just saying first. I agree. I agree that I think... Um, you know, that, that kind of gave Sarge the edge. What we said may very well happen with Westbrook, where he's going to finish the year really strong. Mm-hmm. Of course, like you said, Brogdon and Sarge now are, are both uh, sputtering a little bit. But, yeah, it, he kind of felt like he overtook Brogdon like, in the last month. And, and, like you said, a lot of that had to do with circumstances. But, yeah, it was, it was more about the finish, which I hate because I love to, to reward the guy who, who's kind of been holding it down all year. But... Yeah, I think that really was what happened. He, he overtook him there in the last few months, just having those explosions, mm-hmm. you know, 30-point explosions. So, yeah, I think that's what happened. Can we also take a second and just recognize just the 2016 draft and how <laughs> amazingly unimpressive it's been? Yeah. Current Currently, here's a weird stat for you. Of... The the thirty first round draft picks from last summer, only one guy, Buddy Heald, is averaging over ten points this this year, hey. and that is ten point one. So Vivek was right. That is barely right. ten. Vivek was huh? Vivek was right. Vivek was right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's been bad. I mean, yeah, it's worth noting. You know, Saric and Embiid were both drafted in twenty fourteen. Brogdon was a second round pick. Mm-hmm. Willie Hernan Gomez, who was also you know, probably going to finish somewhere in the top five was 2015, I believe. Um, yeah, it's been <laughs> weird. It's been a rough start for this draft class, but I'm, I'm hold. you know, I, people are already out on it. Like it's so early. Like I, yeah, I still think there will be multiple all-stars that come from this class. Sim. Oh, absolutely. You know, knock on wood, Simmons included. Um, <laughs> all right, let's move on to coach of the year. Where Mort, you're gonna have a chance to make Sarah happy. Yeah, it's pop. I mean, <laughs> look, I remember that um, Simpsons episode. I think it was one of those Halloween specials. Yeah. Um, what's that called? Treehouse of Horrors or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Where the Earth is uh, about to explode or implode or whatever, and there are spaceships standing by for celebrities. Including Michael Jordan, <laughs> but uh, apparently Lisa has the option of going on that spaceship. She can choose one of her parents, and this officer's—he's kneeling down towards, and he's gonna go. I'm afraid you have a very hard decision, Mom. <laughs> Mom. And that's that's how I feel with Coach of the Year and Pop. Just Pop. I don't care. This is the one award where I don't care about narrative, where mm-hmm. I don't care about, you know, whatever around me. For, for like MVP, oh, it's like the definition game. Is it the best player? Is it whatever? No, coach of the year for me is the best freaking coach. Mm-hmm. That's just how I want it to be. And the best freaking coach 
is now and always will be Greg freaking Popovich. I have absolutely no idea why anyone else should get this award until the day that he retires. I even want to take awards away from previous <laughs> winners and just hand them to Pop. I will wrestle them. I will fight them. Retroactively award them? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, look, it's it's a, I, what does he have? Three Coaches of the Year awards? Three? Two? Three? Something I like think that? It's three. Yeah. Three? three? Yeah. That's criminal. <laughs> That's utterly criminal. He should He should have had ten. At the least, so I am all in on the what. Look, I can you could just copy paste this answer for next year. <laughs> I'm gonna give you the same damn response. That's fair. Pop, pop. Yeah, he lost Tim Duncan and he's won 60 games. I know he has Kawhi and that Kawhi guy is kind of good, but <laughs> it's pop, man. Obviously. So I mean, I don't think. If you're looking at it in terms of who is the best coach in the NBA, I don't think there will be any arguments from either one of us. That said, Sarah, you and I are leaning toward Mike D'Antoni for Coach of the Year. Why are you going for Mr. D'Antoni? I think he's going to win, and I'm not mad at that. Uh, I I am very tempted to put Spolstra just slightly yeah. ahead of him mm-hmm. for the turnaround that they mm-hmm. had. Um, but D'Antoni... It's weird. I have a complicated relationship with D'Antoni stepping back to 2007. Sure. Um, But when you put him in the right situation, when you give him a roster that can execute what what he does, he's fantastic. I mean, he's proven that over and over again. So being that the the Rockets had the turnaround that they had, uh, it's D'Antoni's first year stepping in, (laughs) taking this roster that just got together, Make it, you know, having the vision to make Harden the the full time point point guard, even though he really was the primary ball handler before that. But thank you. He's he, <laughs> he's really he's really elevated his game too. So yeah, he's he's gonna win it. I'm pretty sure. I I want Spolstra to have credit for turning the team that was what 11 and 30 yep. around and potentially sneaking into the playoffs here especially if they make the playoffs not that it should make that big a difference one game here or there but that to me that's just a super impressive job it, they've been hurt too and he's adapted on the fly to turn this team around to me that's incredible and yeah i would i would probably have pop third but i guess we should just rename it after him at this point and then, <laughs> right. like retire him from receiving it but just call it the pop award yeah, yeah. the greg popovich coach of the year that. award yeah. i could live with that yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i could live with that. Yeah, that but if not every year until he retires well sarah i'm with you for the same reason for d'antoni i think the fact especially as you said having the vision to turn hard in just fully unleash him as the full-time point guard and getting him to buy in that you know that's an underrated thing you like if you don't have buy-in from your superstar it doesn't matter what system you run just ask the knicks and carmelo anthony you know <laughs> he didn't buy into the triangle and they sucked all year the fact that harden that he could that d'antoni could convince harden look you know i know this is somewhat of a departure for you like yes you played on the ball a lot already but like you are going to be the architect of our offense you are going to be responsible for getting yourself shots and you're getting your teammate shots every time down the court and getting hardened to buy into that 
And then, you know, he, like, he resurrected Eric Gordon, who we'll talk about shortly mm-hmm. in Sixth Man of the Year. And then they acquired Lou Williams at the trade deadline. It took Lou Williams precisely zero time to get acclimated to the Rocket system. You know, this is where, more so than MVP, I feel like this Coach of the Year is where preseason expectations, it's, like, more fair to evaluate a coach based on preseason expectations and the fact that the Rockets are going to exceed expectations so wildly by 10 or more wins, you know, based on pretty much, like, every major sports outlet that had preseason predictions. And Vegas Lions, I think, had them in the, like, mid-40s. They're going to finish third in the West, so... D'Antoni's my guy. I like Spolster as well. Sarah, I think, you know, number two for me. Uh, it's weird to credit a guy for, like, you know, they, they were 11 and 30. Like, that's a... Terrible to start. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, I, it's weird to credit him for, like, having such a drastic turnaround. But the fact that, you know, it, how off, like, how easy would it have been for Miami just to throw in the tank and, like, you know, frankly, mm-hmm. out-tank the Lakers at this point. So, for him to get his players to buy in and, you know, stay believing, you know, even if they finish outside of the playoff race, it's not going to be by very many games. So that's just a hell of a job. And then, yeah, more, I'm with, you know, pop is five on my list. I like, I get what you're saying, but I just think like, see what Brad Stevens has done in Boston this year. Uh, you know, I, I, him having Al Horford this first year has been really impressive. Scott Brooks, with the Wizards, you know they they got off to a rocky start, and now they're playing really well too. So yeah. it's a it's a yeah it's it's very nice. But you lose Tim Duncan, you win sixty. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't care what you say. No argument is going to top that. And by the way, I'm going to report Sarah to the Spurs for treason. <laughs> treason. <laughs> now you know what. Technically, the official party stance of all the Spurs is they don't promote themselves for awards, so I think I'm good. True. Oh, that's true. Good point. <laughs> oh, then, then then you shouldn't have voted for Kawhi. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Good point. Although, before the season, I know Brian keeps saying he was my pick. LeBron was my official pick. Oh, really? But then, yeah, oh, he was my official wow. preseason pick. So Mainly because I thought that, be that the finals were going to carry over. Oh, yeah. It was just so oh, yeah. damn impressive that I thought people were going to come back around to, wait, what are we doing? <laughs> LeBron is still the best. Oh. Um, but And I also didn't want to jinx Kawhi. Oh, right. That was it. Now I remember. <laughs> there, there <laughs> I knew there had to yeah, be yeah, a motive. Yeah. Yeah. Kawhi was your actual pick. Yeah. You just weren't going to say it. In my heart. Right. But, yeah. yeah. No, I... I get what you guys are saying. Obviously, I do. It's more of it's more of a personal stance for me because of the way that these awards are always just determined by whatever the sports writers feel like at the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there aren't official definitions to these things, mm-hmm. and it's it's frustrating as hell. So that's why I, in terms of coaching, it it's just. For my end, from my perspective, I need to give it some sort of value and some sort of, I don't know, something stable, I guess. And for me, that is the best coach out there. I, I and, and also just, he's gotten screwed so much. And what he does at times with so very little is amazing. Yeah. Even when Tim was on the downside of his career, before Kawhi really blossomed and Tony was starting to crack down a bit and... You know, Manu was getting older and balder if by by the day. I mean, look, that twenty fourteen team that just completely beat LeBron and Baj and Wade 
in the prime of their careers, mm-hmm. and they were just and the Spurs themselves were just way over the hill. Kawhi wasn't even the current Kawhi. What he's doing out there as a coach from year to year to year to year, it's so darn impressive to me that I just I I can't rightly choose someone else and say, oh well, that guy is more deserving. Yeah. No. Yeah. I I just can't. That's very. I mean, at this point. There's no peer of pop in the NBA. You have to look. Exactly. You have to look to all sports, and the only guy that I could think of in any sport that's even close to his territory is Bill Belichick of the Patriots. But right, you know, like and a, yeah, and a, and another thing is this: like Michael Michael Jordan won five MVPs, mm-hmm. should have won probably seven at the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. He should have won it over Barkley in '93 and Carmelo in '97. And it always annoys the hell out of me that he was kind of, a, a, you know, a a victim of voter fatigue. Mm. And it seems like mm. Pop is now experiencing that. That's the best coach of all time. We're going to look back at this 10 years from now and go, oh, man, we kind of screwed Pop, didn't we? Yeah, so I'm trying to tell people right now, don't screw Pop. You can still <laughs> somewhat save it. <laughs> yeah. You, you have this opportunity right here, right now, to give him the award that he so overwhelmingly deserves. Yeah, that's true. All right, uh, let's move on to sixth man of the year. We have a consensus here, so we will zoom through this one. But I, I just want to say, you know, for the first half of the year, this was a great race between Eric Gordon and Lou Williams. And then the Rockets traded for Lou Williams, and now this race sucks. <laughs> <laughs> because Lou and Eric Gordon have kind of just siphoned, like, touches from each other and... Both both guys, their production has decreased substantially since the trade. So, we all have Eric Gordon as our number one. But I want to use this opportunity instead uh, to shine a light on some of the other deserving candidates. So, Sarah, I know you want you want to praise someone we've already discussed earlier in the episode. Wait, who? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you say you wanted Gobert here? Oh, no, that was for Most Improved. Oh, whoops. Okay. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, we're good. Oops. Um, okay. Sorry. Yeah, Sorry no. for that. <laughs> no problem. Um, yeah, it's just, like you said, uh, I kind of had Lou, but mm-hmm. it just made it so interesting that he ended up on the same team as his primary competitor for this award. They're so close for on the season, and then, like you said, since they've come together, they've kind of decreased each other's numbers. But um, I would throw Iguodala in there, even though he hasn't had a terrific mm. year. He's come on strong. I joked a long time ago that I felt like he was probably just shifting comfortably into his Robert Ory twilight of his career, <laughs> yeah. where he's just going to coast through the regular season and, and kill in the playoffs. And it's starting to look like that's going to happen because he has been terrific over the last few weeks for them. Yep. Um, so he's come on strong. He won't win it and probably shouldn't, and that's fine for the regular season. Um, Zach Randolph is an interesting Ooh, yeah, that's a <laughs> choice. Um, I know that it's kind of it, – I think Zach Lowe even had in his 10 things I like and don't like today that the – Matchup with him and uh, Brendan Wright is not ideal mm-hmm. coming off the bench, but he's been really good for them this year, and the willingness to come off the bench and, and help that team, and Jamichael Green starting has been great for Memphis. Um, 
there's one other guy that I had in my mind, and now I can't remember. Pal Gasol? Any Pal love? There you go. Yeah. I think I was thinking of Pal. Nice. Of course, he hasn't come off the bench all season, sure. but... Yeah, he's been terrific off the bench. He's, like, smashing <laughs> records, franchise record for the Spurs of seven-footers, hitting threes. He's also got an incredible percentage. I don't know if he qualifies in terms of attempts yet, but I think he's got at least 50 attempts, and his percentage is over 50%, so it's nuts. I could just, he's just I shooting could really well from the corner. Theo Morton simmering over there. What? <laughs> I'm simmering? Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> All right. I'm... I, what I'm trying to do right now is locate um, a tweet that I had about Eric Gordon. Oh. Because I was waiting to talk about Eric Gordon. Oh, I, and I, it's because he had a whole month where he practically outshot the whole team of the Chicago oh, Bulls right. from free. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So. I thought you were going to be mad about Powell coming off the bench and playing well. Because. No, no. <laughs> you, know, you know what? He has. Like, yeah. he's turned into, like, a. A sniper. Mm-hmm. It seems like every time I check a box score from a Spurs game I haven't seen, he's two for two. I know. It's absurd. Yeah. All right. Well, I will let you... Uh, you can take the Miami guy that I like in this race. Uh, I'm going to shout out Greg Monroe uh, because, you know, it looked like he was in danger of falling out of Jason Kidd's favor uh, early in the year. And then lately, you know, he's turned it on. He's become a very valuable piece for the Bucks off the bench. So, I again, uh, Sarah, I'm with you. It's, you know, it's between Gordon and Lou Williams. I have Monroe fifth on my board, Iggy fourth. And then I actually have James Johnson second, who more, yeah. I know you wanted to steal that one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, James Johnson has played absurdly well. And he was, <laughs> he was on the Orlando Magic's whiteboard. He's going to get paid this summer. <laughs> Big time. Big yeah. time paid. Yeah. Like now he's actually become that it's kind of ironic because when he was drafted uh by the Bulls back in 2009 mm-hmm. I think it was. Yeah, yep. 2009. I at the time I said he this was the perfect guy to like get on your bench and become like the official sixth man because he could play both forward spots. He was a strong athlete, like a kickboxer even. Like he's he had like a really elite athleticism on many ways like his agility and and everything was just he had so much going for him Mm -hmm. and he was traded very very shortly into his second season i was like no okay that's kind of curious and then he started playing well with toronto and i kind of thought okay now he's going to found his his place to be and nope he started bouncing around and the heat at age 30 no less mm-hmm. <laughs> is where he finds his home on the turnaround heat that started the season 11 and 30 that's weird and fantastic all at once but he's been he's been doing so well shooting the three ball getting to the line rebounding passing because he has that ability like he's the type of guy who can go out there and get like 15 5 and 5 on you know, whenever he wants to, basically, if he gets the minutes, yeah, he's an all-around guy, and he picks up blocks and he picks up steals, and again, one of those guys who doesn't really have a definite weakness, if you know what I mean. Yeah, like just a stable son of a gun. I mean, you know, so we yeah. talked about the Heat's turnaround already. He was a huge part of that. He and Dion Waiters, mm-hmm. like, they really needed that extra push from you know Dragic and Whiteside have been playing well for most of the year, but they needed someone else to compliment those guys and Johnson especially you know he had like 26 points 
five rebounds, four assists, a couple of threes the other night. He was playing in the starting lineup because Luke Babbitt was hurt. But, yeah, he's been a monster this year. So he deserves some love uh, in sixth man of the year. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's move on to most improved player. No arguments here. All three of us have Giannis. So, Sarah, now I'm going to let you praise Mr. Gobert <laughs> as a other... We'll call these, like, the honorable mentions of most improved player. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, we all picked Giannis, even though I feel a little weird about it since he still has that, hopefully, potential to get that jump shot going, mm-hmm. and it just becomes a destroyer of worlds. Um so I almost want to reserve it, leave it open for him till he does that. But yeah, he, he he's earned it this year. Uh, Gobert, just because I remember seeing him, I think in the 2014 World Championships, just when he first started playing for France for the national team. And remember thinking that he, he maybe had some potential, but just, you know, thin guy. You never were sure how, how that pans out, you know, tall, thin, thin dudes could be great can be you fall over tie in their shoes you know right. but god just i didn't see especially this fast the improvement that he's made and just become a true anchor a centerpiece for this jazz team that i want to give them some love later too uh in one of our next awards but yeah just he, he's been really improved and since since i I, I'm still not giving him this award, so I don't know that it helps, but uh, <laughs> I didn't give him Defensive Player of the Year. It's like, I definitely want to give him some love for Most Improved as well. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I mean, you know, he, he's gotten to the point where, like, I almost feel like the Jazz would be better off trading Derek Favors this summer and just letting Gobert run wild as their main front court option. Um, oh, absolutely. But that said... Like, it's not even fun. Yeah, that said, Favors <laughs> is supposed to be coming back. I think he's playing tonight, Friday. So we're going to have to see. Seems, seems risky, honestly, to have him. You know, Gobert has been on such a tear lately, but I guess you can't you can't keep Favors out if he's healthy. But, all right. Uh, Mort, who do you want to give love to in MIP, aside from the Greek freak? Well, you got to look at both Nikola Jokic and Otto Porter, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and and these those are pretty self-explanatory, to be honest. Porter has become one of the league's best shooters, like from all over the court, yep. uh, which is not something I expected with him coming out of Georgetown. I knew he could shoot, but not to this extent. Yeah. He's really been a, a knockdown shooter, like a real sniper. And Jokic is just... A magician, really. Uh, the the I can't even describe what he does out there. Sometimes the way that he drops those no look passes behind his his head, and, like while he dominates the boards and shoots the three, and, and it's not like he's overly athletic. He does it on high IQ. Like he's, um, I had a thought the other day. Like he's Paul Pierce, the center version of Paul Pierce, prime Paul Pierce. Like just the way that he gets to the rim, the way that he facilitates and, and the way he executes it's just it's got Paul Pierce written all over it which is amazing for a guy 6, 11, 7 feet whatever he is so yeah definitely some love to, to Jokic and, and Porter uh, and we're probably going to find Jokic on in a couple of years on the MVP list when we have this debate again I mean it wouldn't even surprise me at all so yeah thumbs up for those guys 
Yeah, I mean, based on what we saw from Jokic, you know, he, we mentioned this uh, in last episode how he started the year next to Nurkic, and then he went to the bench, and then he finally got moved back into the starting lineup. Since December 15th, which is when he started and Nurkic went to the bench, he has been an absolute dynamo. Uh, you know, it's how many big men could you say are triple-double threats with points, rebounds, and assists? Yeah. Very few, if any. So, I mean, what we've seen out of Jokic, like, there's a very real argument. You know, he's already, what, the second best player from his draft class? I would say so. Yeah, so he's he's very impressive. Um, the other guy, I you know, I had, like you, Mort, um, Giannis, Porter, Jokic as my top three. The one guy I wanted to shout out also is Miles Turner. I feel like... You know, he's been kind of rocky as of late, but just in general, you know, we, there's all this unicorn talk about, you know, Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns and Chris Stops. Miles Turner deserves to be in that conversation, too. He's not as good as those guys, but he's still very unicorn-esque. He's like a sick unicorn. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right, yeah. A, a, a unicorn with, like, a broken leg or something like that. <laughs> but, <laughs> like with allergies. A unicorn with allergies. Yeah, that's good. I mean, he he literally just turned 21 at the end of March. Like, the dude has a sky-high upside. If, for whatever reason, the Pacers do trade Paul George this summer, he's the type of guy... Like, they still might have a franchise player on their roster because Miles Turner is there. So, he's not a top three guy in MIP for me, but he deserves some love. So, let's wrap things up with Executive of the Year... Sarah, you've been driving the Dennis Lindsay train all year. Are you still on that boat? I, I am deeply offended that neither of you two had him anywhere on your lists. Um, I think he's done a terrific job putting that team together. Uh, Utah is already, I think they've got four games left to play, and they're already eight wins better than last year. Um, mm. Going from missing the playoffs to fighting for the fourth or fifth seed in the West. Um and they probably have more games lost to injury than just about any other team. So, you know, the fact that they were able to do that, I've just loved the makeup of that team from the beginning. And yeah, I guess maybe some of it is uh, subconscious bias. The fact that they picked up two former Spurs over the summer. Um, <laughs> right. But yeah, that Joe Johnson, I just, I love that team. But that said, I have finally come around to the to the Daryl Morey train. <laughs> I think... You know, we dog a lot of times on here. We dog uh, executives and front offices that, you know, they'll hire a coach or champion a system and then not build a team to fit that coach <laughs> or the system. And right. you know, so I think we, it seems right to reward Maury for you know he obviously had a philosophy for how he wanted to play. Uh, he had acquired the star to run that. Then he went got a coach who saw it the same way he did. And built the roster to support that and execute that. So I I feel like he should be rewarded for that. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Mori Ball. I hope it doesn't completely take over the league. I'm cool with a few Mori Ball teams. Um, but that's not really the, the time or the place to worry about it. Uh, he's he's uh, done a terrific job, so he deserves it. Yeah, I, I'm with you and Mori atop my ballot. Bob Myers of the Warriors, number two for me. He's number one for you, Mort. Why do you have Myers over Maury? Come on now. <laughs> Come on. 
Does it does it start with Kevin and with Durant? Basically, yeah. Like if you can convince Kevin Durant to switch allegiance, you deserve to be at the top of that list. Side note, it has just been confirmed as we're recording this podcast, Mr. Durant will play Saturday without nice. minutes restriction restriction. Wow. Oh, wow. Yep. Oh, that's a huh. That's a surprise. Okay. So that's awesome. Uh, But getting back to the matter at hand, the executive of the the year, I just think that, I mean, Durant is an MVP caliber player. So whenever you can get one of those guys in, you deserve, yeah, to get your your name, you know, bummed up to to the head of the list. I mean, how can you not? I get what you're saying, Sarah, totally. Mm. It's... I, I think there is great honor in being able to build a team, like with emphasis on team, all caps team, like Lindsay, and also to some extent Mori and, and Masai Ujiri. I mean, there are a lot of names out there, but superstars win. Superstars drives the league. When you can get a guy like that to join your team, it just it brings it up to a whole nother level for me personally. So, yeah, I, I gotta go, Bob Myers. I mean, look at that team that he's assembled. It's yeah. I mean, look, Avengers assemble. Come on, it's <laughs> it's right there, right? As, as Sarah called them, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, <laughs> which is a brilliant name, by the way. Yeah, it really is. I mean, yeah, that's that is the argument for Myers, and also to his credit, you know, yes, he acquired Kevin Durant, but he also got Zaza Pachulia on the biannual exception. He did. Um, you know, he he was willing, he engineered a trade to get Harrison Barnes, and, or sorry, to uh, get Andrew Bogut to Dallas to create the cap room for it. Like, it was not an easy play to get the cap room for Kevin Durant. Um, and he knew he was going to have to sacrifice a number of bench pieces as well, Leandro Barbosa, Maurice Spates, etc. So for him to have the confidence in himself to say, like, yeah, we can fill out the bench you know, all we need is Iguodala and Livingston, and then we'll have, like, Ian Clark come off and play better. We'll have we'll bring in JaVale McGee, who's, you know, aside from pissing off the Warriors, he played well this year. Uh, so that all those things do work in Bob Myers' favor as well. That said, it feels like he's, he's somewhat of a beneficiary, both of an unprecedented cap spike and, you know, Stephen Curry's way below market contract. Like, this was the natural culmination of like three years of work, whereas Maury totally overhauled that roster in a year. You know, they got rid of Dwight Howard, they brought in Eric Gordon, Anderson. They were willing to play Capella more. They brought in the Nay, who has played really well this year. Um, <coughs> Harrell, as you mentioned earlier. So, for that reason, I'm going, uh, I'm going Maury over Myers. I also, I mean, David Griffin of the Cavs deserves a shout-out. It just, it continues to amaze how he turns what little assets they have in terms of trade value into productive players. Kyle Korver, Darren Williams, Andrew Bogut before he got hurt, Larry Sanders now. Um, And then also two guys, the two guys who probably had, I guess Maury also had a really good trade deadline, but Donnie Nelson of the Mavericks and Masai Ujiri of the Raptors both took advantage of desperation at the trade deadline and stole players for far more or far less than they were actually worth. And good so. finds for Nelson as well. Yoki Farrell, 
Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah. And Seth, your boy Seth Curry. Seth Curry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. okay. As as we argued the last time around, it was obvious. Come on, say it with me. Obvious. When a guy can shoot, he needs to Uh-oh. like be coveted. Yeah. 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 And for some reason, he wasn't. But good <laughs> on Nelson for getting him on that deal, though. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, he had. He's had a hell of a year. I mean. I, frankly, none of these awards, outside of maybe most improved player, if you're willing to go the honest route, none of them are shoe-ins. Like, every one of them, there are multiple deserving candidates. Yeah, It's just, like, personal preference comes down to all of these. So, any final thoughts on any awards before we wrap things up, guys? Just don't... Just don't ring me in the middle of the night when... Kawhi wins, Brian. Cry. <laughs> just, I could just. My, my part. Yeah. Yeah. My parting <laughs> thought is: don't be a dick on Twitter when any of these awards actually get announced. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good yeah. One. And I'm not saying that to you. I'm addressing that to everyone. <laughs> yes, everyone. Like, Morton, don't be a dick. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> right. Well. Yeah. You know yeah. it's coming though. It's, There's gonna be people that think it's a travesty if somebody yeah. w- and it won't be. Yeah. <laughs> like right. god damn it Trevor Arisa didn't win MVP are you kidding me <laughs> right. Right. yeah so everyone take these awards what they are they're you know they're rewarding accomplishments of things that we just didn't expect to see this year we, this has been an unbelievable regular season far better than I think any of us expected you know especially coming into the years it looked like who cares what the regular season holds it's going to be Warriors Cavs 3 in the finals doesn't matter this is by far exceeded expectations. So we just want to, all three of us want to thank you for joining us throughout the regular season. We hope we've provided some entertainment. Uh, and on the bright side, there'll be very little Sixers talk until May 16th from this point <laughs> forward because the medical staff can only kill their players for six more days. Until next time, I'm Brian Toporek. Remember, follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find all three of our handles uh, in the bio, so give us a follow on Twitter as well. You can find us this year on iTunes, so check us out there. Subscribe, download. You can find the iTunes link at the bottom of our Audio Boom page. Um, And then we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and their NBA content at FanRagNBA. Uh, until next time, we're going to have a playoff preview, guys. But I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. Have a good one, you two. Likewise, Brian. You too. Good talk, boys. All right. Take care. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And, of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine & More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine & More. More. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Moon. Yeah. That's Hugo tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-o! This next one's for you too. There's a burglar in my heart.
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> all right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.